Good evening, everyone. <laughs> this is for the CD. Right. <laughs> so we're going to look at a day of opportunity. And uh, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the, the change in the spiritual climate. And uh, we had as a foundation for our journey through the different um, ways in which we can change the spiritual climate, we had as our foundation the uh, phrase, when a Christian speaks peace over the lost. The spiritual environment changes for the better, which eventually leads to opportunities for meaningful spiritual conversation and prayer. And so, with this statement, with this basis of faith, we want to see opportunities arise whereby we can see meaningful spiritual conversation and prayer take place. Because I believe prayer changes things. Amen? Uh, we pray tonight uh, uh, for Nick and Sarah, and I believe that the prayers that have been uttered will, will really mean something. And tonight we're going to look at the power of those prayers. And it's no coincidence that we decided earlier before the meeting that Margaret should pray for Nick and Sarah because she's actually, I don't want to embarrass you too much, but I'll, just a little bit. But when she, since she heard the news, she's been in tears. She's really empathized with the situation. And it's almost as though God's given her the heart to pray in this, in this situation. And so that's why she came up and why she shared and why she, she prayed about it. And she's been on the phone several times with Sarah and they've been crying together on the phone. And you know, when the word of God, as Margaret quoted, says, mourn with those who mourn. And as we take on this empathetical role, as we identify with other people, and then we enter into prayer, I believe God takes us to that place so that we can bring comfort. We can bring strength. We can bring something to the situation that cannot be brought in any other way than by someone actually entering in and standing together. That's what being in fellowship is all about. That's what being in one body is all about. And God gives us that precious gift that we can minister to one another. And so we need, it's very important that we use the opportunities that we have, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. We can use opportunities to see God do incredible things. On Good Friday and, and for a couple of Sundays since then, we've also looked at the power of the prophetic word. When we speak God's word in faith, God's word is capable of doing all things. It raised Jesus from the dead. We looked at the book, in the book of Ezekiel how the spoken word of God brought a valley of dry bones to life. And this powerful, prophetic, spoken word enables us to change things by faith. Now, my question to us tonight is, do we believe that yet? Have we come to a place where we believe that the Word of God can actually change situations? Do you believe that the power of God's Word in your mouth can change the situations that you find yourself in? 
Have you come to that place? There's a whole chapter in the book of James, it's chapter 5, that talks about the effectiveness of prayer. Our banner at the front of the church says, prayer changes things. And I'm sure all of us can say that at some time in our life, we've uttered prayers. I'm sure it's true as well that some of us have, have, have prayed and our prayers have not been answered. And when we experience praying to God and God not doing what we ask Him to do, we either think we're not good enough for God to help or we think that God isn't interested in us or that He doesn't exist. When I was a child... I used to ask for a lot of things. And I learned over a period of time the most effective way to ask my father or my mother for things. At first, I was a very stubborn little boy. And I would stamp my feet and I would say, I want that. And I would kick up a fuss, I would moan and wail. And, and hopefully I would keep that up until I got what I wanted. Now that's pretty normal behaviour for a child. But my parents didn't give me everything I asked for. Now, why was that? Not because they didn't love me but because they did love me. When stubborn little children stamp their feet and wail, I want, good parents never give in. Hallelujah. Good parents never give in. It's not because they don't love the child. It's not even because they don't want the child to have nice things. It's because they don't want to encourage that kind of behavior. Now some people have grown up and they got everything they wanted. And as adults, they're still children. Because that selfish behavior has been encouraged by the parents giving in. And so the child grows up and is a very selfish person. And still stamps the feet and wails to get what they want. When I used to do that, actually, my parents' reaction was to say, if you carry on like that, you'll actually get something you didn't ask for. Now, I used to, I used to get things off my mum and father as a result of wailing and stamping my feet, which didn't actually come into my hand, but actually re I received them towards the rear part of my body. And um, there were little rewards for my demanding behavior. But later, as I learned, there was a way to speak to mum and dad and which I could get the things that I really did want. 
It wouldn't work with the passing fad, you know, oh, that's nice in the shop window, can I have it? I never got that. But at times when I wanted something really badly, I learned that if I approached my mum and dad in a respectful way, and I had conversation with them, without the stamping of feet and the bawling of tears, but normal conversation, and explain to them that I had an interest in a particular area, that I wanted to pursue that, and it wasn't a passing fad, but it was actually a deep desire. Then I could not only get what I wanted, but my mother and father would sacrificially give to make sure I got that. Isn't that incredible? What a difference. The way in which you approach your parents, the way in which you come to your parents with petition, actually changes the way they view your request. And it's exactly the same with God. The way we approach God when we pray will determine whether he thinks we should receive that thing or not. James 5, verse 15. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Now, I have prayed for a lot of people. In hospitals, in homes, in churches. I've seen lots of miracles. But I've also seen lots of nothing. You know what I mean? You pray, and seemingly... Nothing happens. And I've prayed with the same faith. I've prayed with the same words. I've, with the pray I've prayed with the same conviction of who my God is and what he can do. And sometimes people get healed and sometimes they don't. And I cannot, if I preach for a whole week, I couldn't tell you why. I haven't got the answer. Why? I do know that if God wants some, to heal someone, he heals them. And if he doesn't, he's got a good reason that I can't see. Because at the end of the day, I trust him. And one of the things I learned with my parents was that I trusted them. I trust my dad. Now, there are some dads that do some silly things. A few uh, years ago, there was, uh, you know, some people who shouldn't be dads at all, but that's a matter of opinion. Uh, do you remember in the news a few years ago, Michael Jackson? Right? Some people might think, who's Michael Jackson? <laughs> right? <laughs> well, if, you, if you're under 100 years old, you might have heard of him. Praise the Lord. And... Uh, Michael Jackson had a baby. And do you remember there was a point where he dangled the baby over the balcony? Right? And it was, there was an uproar. He's unfit to be a parent. Right? Because it's a pretty stupid thing to do. 
Now, I can remember, I'm not justifying Michael Jackson, by the way, because the baby was a baby, and the baby had no choice in the matter. But what I remember being a bit older than a baby, I can remember my dad picking me up and swinging me around and doing all kinds of things and throwing me through the air. He could have broken my neck, my arms, my back, anything, right? But I trusted him. I trusted him. And one of the things that I found with God is that he deserves our trust. Jesus says, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll never let you down. He deserves our trust. Just as I learned how to approach my father and talk to him about things, I remember on one occasion when I was about eight years old, I decided I wanted to learn to play the guitar. And I'd already had a few things in shop windows refused as we walked past. Can I have that now? Can I have this? No. Can I have this? No. And all the things that they said no to were less money than the guitar. But when I said to them, look, I really want to think I want to start learning some music and playing the guitar. I know we've got a piano, but I just go and get it. Right? Because there's all those, I've only got five fingers, and there's all those, those white things. And I can't, the only way I can press them, press them down all at the same time is by lying on it. So I just, I want, I want something I can get my hands around, you know? So... I spoke to them and, and, and they thought, yeah, music is good. A few weeks later, after they bought the guitar, they didn't think that. <laughs> Nothing worse than someone learning an instrument. Praise God, I've got a trumpet to tell them, I've got to learn to play it. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, I got the guitar. But to get that guitar, my mum had to work double shift. Something that I didn't appreciate at the time. Because, you know, parents go out to work. Right? That's it, you know. I mean, uh, it's very inconvenient. Uh, she did work in double shift. My tea's not ready. Right? You don't, you don't appreciate it when you're a child. All you see is that you come home from school and your tea's not there. Well, what's mum doing, you know? Come on. She's working double time to get me a guitar. The sacrifice has been made. So there is a protocol in prayer. Prayer has to be offered in faith. We have to respectfully go to the Father and believe and trust the Father that He will give us what is good. Prayer shouldn't be hit and hope, a last resort, a give it and go kind of thing. Because every single prayer that God answers involves faith to some degree. 
We've had lots of people who've come to church and at the end we've prayed for people and they've raised their hands and they, they, they said, yeah, okay, praise God, come into my life. And that's the last you ever see of them. You never see them again. And what's the reason for that? It's because the prayer was not said in their faith, it was said in our faith. So what do you believe tonight? Are you confident in God? Now over the past few months we've radically changed the system of things in the church. As a result of uh, Heidi and myself going to Argentina and being in, in, in incredible situations there. Seeing that the spiritual climate there, so intense in God, walking into shops and, and knowing that this shop is, is, is just being blessed by God. It's just incredible. I don't get that same feeling when I walk in Central. But in Argentina, you can walk into places and you just know that the place is just, just a blessing. We went, uh, one day, there was about 40 of us, went to a restaurant. And when it came to pay the bill, the restaurant owner says, Oh, I owe, I owe uh, Ed Silvoso so much. You, you, all he, and everyone ate free. Incredible. And that, wasn't, that was just repeated over and over and over again. I'll never, ever... Forget the experience of going into prison. And, and, you know, we can have pictures in our minds of prisons, of uh, almost resort centres nowadays, prisons, but not in Argentina. <laughs> and yet you, you go into this prison and over the gateway to the prison it says, Christ the only hope prison. That's the name of it. Incredible. So you remember when I showed the photos of, of being there. But just to... To think, because we're talking about prayer, that we went into the, in one of the cells, and in the cells there are pieces of paper on the walls. And going in and see these pieces of paper with lists of names on, and then seeing my own name on a piece of that paper. And the prisoners in that cell have been praying for me every day for six months. Incredible. These guys... Come, came to me and, and, and I said, that's me. And they were so excited, in Spanish of course, right? So I'm saying, oh, in English, that's me, right? Pointing, a lot of sign language going on. And they're going, oh, oh senor, oh, 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 por favor, and, and, and all this kind of stuff. They're getting really excited in Spanish. I'm getting really excited in English. Threw a bit of tie in to see if that helped, but it didn't. Um, and all of a sudden these guys come, come and, and like they're, they're shaved heads they've got tattoos bigger than me right not bigger than my tattoo I mean bigger than me right <laughs> I haven't got any tattoos right they've got huge tattoos and, and stuff and noses broke out like this you know from about 30 fights they've been in and, and scars and they come and they lay hands on you and start to pray for you. God bless, the, God bless, God bless, you know, a bit of English. And then a load of Spanish. Hallelujah. Sounds good. 
bit of Dios in there, so now they're praying to God. Right? And, there's, and, and, this, and it's what I call heavy prayer. Have you ever experienced heavy prayer? Because it's like this. These guys have hands, right? Huge hands, right? And they, they lay hands on you and they're praying like this. <laughs> That's what I call heavy prayer. And I, listen, I ain't going to tell them to stop. Because these guys, they're in there for murder, they're in there for all kinds of things, but they've found Jesus. God has really touched them. And the power of prayer is just incredible. You walk into this prison, and it's worship. There is worship in the prison. Unbelievable. And they know you by name. Incredible. So because of this experience in Argentina, of all places, who would have thought that? Especially a Brit. I mean, we're enemies on the football field. When I got there, people said to me, don't mention the Falklands. So I was under strict orders not to say anything about Falkland Islands at all. Right? But they were pretty happy that I was British. That was okay. So, they said, God bless you, thank you for football. <laughs> you invented, we perfected it. So we brought in transformational teaching because of what we've experienced in God. And it's shaken things up a bit. Hallelujah. Sometimes we need a good shake. Have you watched a dog have a shake? Yesterday the dog, yesterday the dog got caught in the rain. It came in. We thought, shake before you get in that house. That's, we, 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 Margaret was really determined. She said, you shake before you walk through that door. Right? And the dog shakes, you know, and don't you feel like you wish you could do that sometimes, you know? And the, you see the whole body goes, and water sprays off, and you think, isn't that just so easy? Couldn't you just do that coming out of the shower? Wouldn't it be great? Right? And, and the dog sort of does this, and all of a sudden, there's the water's gone, and the dog's dry, and you think, how fast was that? Incredible. So, what and all that? Oh, yeah, it's shaken up a bit. Praise God. What on earth was all that about? Hallelujah. Now, we've seen many miracles. And we pray God blessing over Phuket. It's just unbelievable. Last, last week, right, there was something happened in church, and I was so excited. It was absolutely great. But because the people were there, I didn't really want to say too much. But this week I can because uh, they were in the Thai service. Praise the Lord. But a few weeks ago, we got all the, the Thai leaders together and we crammed into the minibus. There were far too many to seat normally in the minibus, but it was dark, so we got away with it. And we went to the police station as well. <laughs> so there was all these bodies, you know, noses pressed up against the window because there's that many of us in there. And we were parked in front of the police station. 
And we prayed for the police station. The police policemen kept on coming out and looking at them. What are they, a bunch of terrorists parked outside? Are they, what are they doing? And we were praying for them. It was great. But then we all piled out the bus, and it was like one of these, uh, these comedy films, you know, where like 300 people get out the bus. And, you know, they've stopped the film and put a load more in and just keep doing it, you know. But it looked like that because there were that many of us piled in the minibus. And we got out of the minibus and we went into the AIA insurance place, which is right opposite over the road. And we went to the top because one of our Thai ladies, uh, uh, Chu, if anybody knows Chu, uh, she works there. And she got the keys. And everybody had gone home. And she got the keys and we went in and we prayed over the whole place. And we asked God to bless everybody that worked there. In particular, the people who worked as part of Chu's team. And so we prayed over Chu's office and the people who work for Chu outside with their desks. Now two of them, since we prayed, and Chu's told them all that we've gone in and prayed for them, they have made double their sales of insurance. Their sales have doubled. That's, that's the easy way to say it. Yeah, their sales have doubled. Incredible. And so they came to church last week because they know it's because we prayed for them and asked God to bless them. Isn't that incredible? Praise God. Look, it works. Jesus says, don't go and tell people that what's wrong with them. Go and bless them. Go and bless them. They know what's wrong with them themselves. You don't have to tell them. Go and bless the people and show them there's a God who loves them and cares for them. Hallelujah. Because that's what we've got. Isn't it supposed to be good news? Hallelujah. And we've got to get this into our hearts. Look what happened with the police when we, we, the police came to the Valentine's dinner. The, the deputy chief of police. And he expressed the need. We need more policemen. And we, hundred of us, he must have wondered what was happening. hundred of us surrounded the police. It's not often that police get surrounded. They normally do it. Right? But a hundred of us surrounded the police and prayed for him. And within three days, after ten years of no extra policemen, within three days, 7,000 extra policemen are brought into Phuket. Isn't that incredible? Talk about one or two extra guys. 7,000. Now it could be coincidence or it could be the power of prayer. God bless, you know, that's going to remain with this guy. It's not going to go away. And we put that in the bank. And I believe God's going to work amongst the police. There's a lot of corruption out there, but I believe we found a guy who's trying to do his best. And God's going to speak to him and God's going to work in his heart. I believe that. Last Friday, we had eight people in the meeting in Karabari. Praise the Lord. Come on, it's good. It's going good, isn't it? Right? We've only had meetings two weeks. The meetings are getting better. Now, last week, the worship, uh, two weeks ago, the worship was a bit difficult. Right? Because Alex forgot the guitar and forgot the worship books. Right, so, so it wasn't, but I want to tell you, last Friday got better. Right? 
we had, we had worship books. We had the guitar. Alex started to play the first song. And uh, he, he was playing away. And then I looked at him and I said, could you tell us like which song we're singing? <laughs> so we get in there. <laughs> so next week we'll, we'll, actually, we'll actually hopefully be able to sing along with him. Praise the Lord. But he, he did great. Praise God. It's, it's, it's a step forward to actually have the guitar there and the music books. So I'll keep you updated. <laughs> but let me tell you something. That was our second meeting and we had eight people. It took six months for this church to get to eight. Something's happening. Spiritual climate is changing. Hallelujah. Now with all the blessing, there's been some incredible problems. You, you wouldn't want to, be in, to have been Jan the past two weeks. Jan is, is the, 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 what is it, director? Director of, the, of QSI. A lot of you know QSI. You wouldn't want to be her. That's the problems that she's had. I shared, we, we, we all know we prayed about her father going into hospital and the fact that she'd run him over. And praise God that when the doctors examined him that they found that he would have had a, an aneurysm if they hadn't, if they hadn't have gone into hospital. So actually knocking him over saved his life. And he's actually walking now with a, with a frame, which is not bad for an 80-odd-year-old guy who's had his pelvis fractured. So in two weeks, he's walking again with a frame. That's a miracle. And then she had a car scratched. And that could have been... Un but, but the person who did it contacted her and, and paid for it to be repaired and everything. That is brilliant. That's another miracle. Because that doesn't happen. And she's had a brick through a window. Car window now, a window smashed. And this morning she was in church. The biggest smile... Of anyone in church this morning, sat at the back, hands raised, worshipping God, going for it, everything she got. Praise God. Why is that? Because she's not on her own. She's got a father in hospital and a mother who can't look after herself at home. What can she do? She's tied between the two. So one of the girls from Sussex House went to stay with her mum and look after her. Isn't that fantastic? I think it's brilliant. Gets me choked up to think about it. One of our kids from, from the children's home is helping to look after someone who's hurt, one of the adults in church who's in need. It's incredible. But it's, that still doesn't you know, I mean, it, it goes a long way to help, but I mean, you can, you can be right depressed if all that's happened to you in the space of two weeks. All the stuff that's happening with Sarah, 
It's incredible. It's just been one thing on top of another, on top of another. And you might think, what on earth is God doing? If we're his children, why does he allow all this to happen to us? I can only speak from my experience. I've been through some bad times. And you know when you're having a bad time, the next day, <laughs> you get another bit of bad stuff, and then another bit of bad stuff, and, and just keeps piling on. I, re- I, went to a, I went to a boys' school in England, right? And uh, what they used to do on the first day when you went to school, and like, I mean, if, it'd be okay if it happened once, but I got it about ten times, Right? So other schools did other, other things like pulling these trousers down and all that kind of stuff. But now this one, right, what they do is they get you and they put you in the waste paper bin. Right? What, the ones outside, the wooden w- ones with the wooden slats around, you know. So a metal, metal box with the wooden slats around. And they'd stick you in, in, in there. Right? So your, your bottom went in. And your legs hung over the side and your head was like that, right? So you, you, you were in there. And then about 20 of them would start jumping on top of you to compress you in so you couldn't get out. So they, they'd go, hey, there's another one, a freshie, a freshie, there's a freshie here, come on. And they'd all pile up, put you in and pile you on. By the time I'd got out, some, oh, there's a freshie, come on, let's get him. And I got, I got put in all the, bin, all the bins in the school. I went round every one of them. I mean, if you feel you're rubbish, I mean, I've been there. And it's at times when things go bad, you think, oh, it's not another thing, not another thing. Oh, here we go again. Oh, what is God doing? What's happening? All I can say is, when I've been through really bad times, God is my refuge. He is my strength. And he takes me out the other side a better person than when I entered in. And the only way that works is if I trust him. No matter what happens, I trust him. Even though bad things happen, yet I still trust him. It's what jumped to Job. I mean, come on, look at Job. All the things that happened to Job. Everything he had was taken away. He was one of the richest men in the world and it was all taken away from him. His family was taken away from him. His wife was, was uh, nagging him all the time. Right? His friends turned on him. He sat on a dung heap and was covered in boils. Right? So when you go back home and you get into bed, you, it's not as bad as, as Job. No matter what's happened, right, it's not as bad as Job. Job was in a right mess. And what did Job say? Even though he would slay me, yet will I trust in him. Right? Because he never lost that relationship with God. So when we change the system in church when we do things that maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable we need to make sure 
that our confidence is not in people, our confidence is not in the church system, but our confidence is in God. Because change is necessary if you've got to grow. And if you grow, you have to change. But if your confidence is in God, you will not be shaken. The world can spin round, but if you're holding on to Jesus, all you'll do is watch it spin and think, wow, God, didn't you make it go fast? But if you're clinging on to the world, when it spins round, you'll get dizzy. And when it stops, you'll fly off and hit the wall. And you'll look up and you'll think, I thought you loved me. It's okay to be comfortable in a church system. That in itself is not wrong. As long as you continue to draw your strength from your faith in Christ. But if we draw our strength from the system itself, or from the people around us, when they change or we change, we lose our confidence. It goes because we have not built our house on the solid rock. It's so important for us to have faith in God, not in the church itself. We're faithful to the church, but we trust in God. Now in five years' time, I trust that everything we do as a church will be better. Hallelujah. The church will be a better place than it is today. If it isn't, I'm moving. Praise God. And I'll tell you why I move. It's because if I haven't caused it to get better, then I'm the wrong person to lead it. If it doesn't get better, you come to me in five years' time and say, we're at the same place, Pastor. Time to go. And I'll agree with you. Because the church has got to be better. And if it's going to be better, it means it's got to change. Change for the better, but we don't like change at all. Hallelujah. Change is great if you're attached to Jesus. Change for the better is something that needs to happen if the life of God is flowing through this congregation. It is God who answers prayer and we need to believe in his authority and his power. Prayer should reflect our total belief in God's authority and power to change circumstances. Now, we need to be aware that this applies to people as well. You see, if your trust is in me, I'm going to let you down. Not intentionally, perhaps, but I will do. Because maybe my attention is not on the thing that you want me to be attentive to. Maybe I'm looking over here, but you want me to look over there, and I'm not looking over there, so I'm going to let you down. 
There is only one person who will not let you down, and that's Jesus. So if you're attached to him, even if I don't meet your expectations, it's okay, because Jesus does. Praise God. When this church was three years old, so we're going back 15 years. How many of you were here 15 years ago? One hand over there, right. Margaret. Uh, no, you weren't here yet. Well, maybe we're going back 16 years then, praise the Lord. I was just, it was an average, okay. It was before Knock was in church. No, it wasn't. You were here, weren't you? You were here, yeah, that's right. You were, yeah. Praise God, there were three of us. Yeah, but you were like, you probably didn't understand what was going on at the time. You were only down here. Praise the Lord. When, when Nock was a young girl, <laughs> and she'd first come to church, three years old, this church had 100 people in the congregation. Right? So we're going good. Three years, 100 people. Six months, eight, uh, no, eight months, what did I say? Six months, eight people, right? But three years, we've got 100 people. Doing pretty well. Margaret and I had to go to England. It was a thing called itinerary. It's where we have to go and raise our budget, our financial support. Because we're paid from England, right? The offerings don't pay Margaret and me. The offerings pay all the other staff and supports the six house. So we get paid from England. So every now and again, we have to go there and say, hi, we're still alive. Keep sending the money. And so we went off to do that for six months. We came back and the church had gone down to eight. Eight people. That was the three people I'd left in charge plus Knox's family. That was it. That was all that's left. And I couldn't believe it. Now, the week after we got back, 30 of the people that had left came back. And it says, oh, you're back now, we'll come back. Right? Now, what was wrong there? What was wrong was that people were looking at me instead of looking at Jesus. The relationship was with me instead of being with Jesus. I hadn't taught them that. But because we weren't here, everything fell apart. Praise God that doesn't happen now. Hallelujah. Because I make double and triple sure that it doesn't. The people don't put their... You can't put your faith in a person. Now that you've got, There's lots of people now. You've got relationships one with another. But your main relationship, your fundamental relationship has to be with Jesus because no matter who you are, he will let you down. Look, the woman I love most of all, the person I love most of all in the world is sat here. But I let her down. Is that true? Have I ever let you down? Yeah. Not because I want to. Most of the time. <laughs> Not never. Never because I want to. But because I'm a normal, regular human person. You know, 
I wish I had a pound or, a, or even a baht. I'd still be rich. I wish I had a baht for every time someone said, someone said, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to behave like that. Right? Just because you've got the word pastor in front or reverend in front of your name or vicar or whatever. Right? I was once called vicar on PP Island. Right? And it went like we went to do a wedding on PP Island. And the day, the morning after the wedding, and the night before we left while they were all getting drunk, and then we went to our little sort of chalet, and then in the morning we were walking to get to the boat to come back to Phuket, and we were walking along the beach, and there were all these topless bathers on the side of the beach, so I was sort of walking along like that, you know, <laughs> otherwise I was going to get an eyeful, and uh, I suddenly heard someone scream out, quick, it's the vicar! And everybody started putting tops on. <laughs> How did I get onto that? I don't know. Hallelujah. Look, you can't put your faith in me. You can't put your faith in me. It's just... Right? You can... You can trust me to some extent but you've got to trust Jesus first because if everything that you your whole Christian life depends upon another person if that person is not Jesus if it's somebody else you will be let down and you will lose your whole confidence and relationship whatever you've got as a Christian it will go because you'll be hurt Jesus said I will never leave you I will never forsake you. What does that mean? Jesus will never, ever hurt you. Never. I cannot make that promise. Why? Because I'm human. Just like you. I needed to be forgiven for my sin. Just like you. Praise God. You know what? I've learned always to look for the opportunity to be better. To look for the opportunity to be better. What about you? Do you look, actually look for the opportunity to be a better person? If your hope is in God, then he will give you opportunities to build his kingdom and to grow in faith as his servant. He will. And a lot of things that challenges come our way and we think disaster has struck, but actually it's an opportunity. I suggest that each day is full of opportunity. Say to the person next to you, today is a day of opportunity. Now it's got to be true because two people have said it. I've said it and the person next to you said it. Two witnesses, we agree, it's got to be true. The question is, who is going to take hold of that opportunity? Because if you, see, if you don't, the enemy will.
And this is something so vital for us to understand. If you do not take that opportunity, the enemy will take it. Now listen to this. Failed opportunities to exercise faith become the devil's opportunities to attack us. I'm going to explain it, but I'll say it again first. Failed opportunities to exercise faith become the devil's opportunities to attack us. That is why, even though so many people are being blessed by the prophetic acts of prayer that are going on in this church, yet there are some people who are falling by the wayside feeling wounded and unloved because as the system changes, as things get uncomfortable, you're actually not clinging on to Jesus. You're clinging on to the system or you're clinging on to other people. And we've got to understand that unless we grasp God's word, we grasp it and we see what God is doing, unless we're prepared to step that, take that step of faith and to grow in God and to move on, that the devil will actually step in and use the opportunities that we miss. Now Satan always uses multiple attacks to get you down. Do you know that? Satan never uses one thing. Because one thing is not strong enough to break through what God has done in your life. He always uses multiple things. Why? Because we talk about all the things that happened to Jan. Why are we talking about all the things that happened to Sarah? Why does it always come? Bum, 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 bum. Because that's the way the devil attacks. He does not attack with one blow because he cannot knock you out with one blow. It's impossible. Because he can't get through what God's done in you with one blow. He comes at you a little bit at a time. Bang, 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 bang. Now, I just haven't got time. Well, I have. I mean, I can take all the time I like, but I love you too much. I haven't got the time to go into all the background on that, but I can suggest you read Ephesians 6. And it's very interesting when you read Ephesians 6, it talks about putting on the whole armour of God. And it talks about the fiery darts, or depending on what version you, you read, the arrows that the enemy sends against you. Now the interesting thing, if you know anything about old ancient warfare or anything like that, if you watch Robin Hood, right, or Gladiator or anything like that, swords and knives are close range weapons. And the devil hasn't got them if you've got your armour on. The devil uses darts and arrows which are long-range weapons. In other words, he cannot get close to you. Isn't that wonderful? If you've got the full armour of God on, the devil cannot get close to you. He can only use long-range weapons. Now there's something important in that. Because if you're wearing the full armour of God, it means that you cannot be stabbed in the back. You cannot be betrayed. Isn't that incredible? 
Now, I know Jesus is our example and Jesus was betrayed, but that was something that had to be done. It was allowed. But before that, the devil could not get at Jesus. People tried to lay their hands on him, throw him over a cliff. They couldn't touch him. It wasn't possible because he was clothed in the full armor of God. Close-range attack was not possible until God allowed it. And we need to understand this. If you put on the full armor of God, if you are intimate with God, Satan can only attack you at a distance. So if you're feeling betrayed, it feels like a knife in the back. Now please take this in the context of what I'm preaching. If you feel betrayed, the real problem is not the person who upsets you, but the problem lies with your walk with God. Now I want to tell you, I've been stabbed in the back a few times in this church. And there are people in Phuket that don't like me very much. But I can honestly say to you now, and I've said it to them, when I meet them, I say, hi there, how are you? God bless you. And I really mean it. I really mean it. And we're going to get onto how I can do that in a minute. But the truth is, I do do it. Genuinely do it. And I've prayed for them. Praise God. Because I don't have anything in my heart against them. Because even though it was a betrayal, yet it didn't touch me. Because my relationship was not based on my relationship with them. It was based on my relationship with Jesus. Because God has given us a defense that works. Our defense against being hurt by those we re rely on and trust in is this. Forgiveness. Your wrong actions, words and thoughts and my wrong actions, words and thoughts are what nailed Jesus to the cross. And this is something just incredible that's really just coming alive to me as I've been researching this message. And I pray that you get the revelation. I really pray that you get the revelation because this is just incredible. I believe if you want to go to an extra level of prayer in your life, we need to learn to pray as Jesus prayed on the cross. That's the ultimate. The ultimate prayer meeting was on the cross. The ultimate expression of prayer was on the cross. I want to tell you, there's no more desperate or diabolical situation in the history of the earth than the cross. And when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he looked at all the people who had put him there, including you and me. 
He looked at his, at his friends who had forsook him and fled. And he said, Father, forgive them. Incredible. Now we've been looking at how powerful the prophetic word is. And how God's creative power comes through the words that we speak in faith. And with all the passion and all the love that God could muster as he's nailed to the cross by you and me, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And as he says that, Jesus speaks into being the opportunity for salvation for every single man, woman and child that's ever lived. Is that incredible? Is that just incredible or what? Jesus, in agony, takes the opportunity to bless and forgive. And because of that, the creative power of the Word of God creates something called salvation for you and me. Isn't that amazing? Unbelievable. Because he's been nailed there for your sin and mine. And I totally believe that without that prophetic declaration, Jesus, you know, Jesus is the only person who had the right not to forgive. He was innocent. He's the only person who had the right not to forgive, but he chose to forgive on the cross. He could have said, Father, they're not worth it, wipe them out. He could have said that. At no cost. Come and get me. Send the angels. I've had enough of this. He could have said that. But he took the opportunity to bless. Isn't that absolutely amazing? Isn't that incredible? This is the power of forgiveness. It creates opportunities to turn Sin, black, evil, horrible things into good, godly, righteous things. Isn't it incredible? Unbelievable. It turns black into white. It's an incredible power. And it's available for you and me. For us to get to the point... Where we could even think, as Jesus thought, that we could forgive, mean it so much that we create opportunity for blessing, for things to be turned from black to white. Incredible. An incredible revelation from God. I believe, look, if we get this in our spirit, then we can change the world. If we get this in our spirit, we can change the world. So when Satan attacks, he makes you feel hurt. Someone has hurt you to the point where we allow feelings to occur that are fed by that emotional injury. Feel bitter, resentful. I trusted them and they did that. Urgh. Come on, we've all been there. 
We've all been there. Because that is the natural man. But with the Spirit of God within us, God can take us to forgiveness. So we use the opportunity. The devil, see, is using this opportunity of hurt. Because he's not finished there. It's when we feel hurt, when we feel bitter, when we feel resentful, that's when he comes in and that's when he starts hitting us. Because he can move closer to us. Because some of the armor's dropped off. He can move in, he can get swords and knives and he can stab us in the back. I praise God that Jesus is ready to forgive us no matter what we've done. And the power of his forgiveness can tro totally transform us. His willing to, willingness to forgive us brings us under his mercy, not his judgment. We stand in his grace, not in our sin. That is the power of forgiveness. So today, we have an opportunity. Question is, will we use it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Because your word comes to us and, and, and really speaks to us in a way that other things can't. If we can really take hold of your word into our hearts, if we can recognize what we've celebrated tonight as we've taken communion, as we see what you did, Jesus, on the cross, Lord, so that we might be in relationship with you. Forgiveness is the door to relationship. And we thank you, Father, that you were prepared to send your son, to sacrifice your son. You want to give us so many good things. And you made the ultimate sacrifice because you gave your son. And Jesus on the cross, you could have been justified, totally justified in being angry and annoyed at the treatment of God himself. how we treated the Creator by putting Him on a cross. And even now we can see, oh, if we'd have been there, we'd have stuck by Jesus. His disciples forsook Him and fled. And we'd have been the same. We would have been the same. 
we can say what we like about Peter and all the others, but we would have done exactly the same as them. And we question their character. I wonder whether we would have done the same as them on the day of Pentecost. I wonder whether we'd have stayed for 10 days in the prayer meeting. These guys were really totally committed to Jesus and yet they still forsook him and fled him, fled from him. When he needed them, he left them. They left him. And yet he said, forgive them. This is not about, this message is not about, you know, I need to forgive other people, so I need to take from Jesus' example and forgive. It's not about that. This is about actually seeing the power that there is in forgiveness. Because if we can grasp this, we won't have to be convicted about doing it. We'll do it. Lord Jesus, help us to see what incredible power you have, you have opened up. The power of the, that created the universe. For us to be able to speak blessing despite the situations we find ourselves in, despite the hurt that we feel. But because we're so in love with you and our, our, our life is in you, and not in the people around us, not in the system of the church, but our life is in you. So whatever happens around us becomes an opportunity. So we're not feeling, oh, that person isn't the friend I thought they were. Because I'm attached to Jesus... I become the friend that they always wanted. I become the person that is the peacemaker. I become the person who resolves situations. Because my strength is through, it comes through my relationship with Christ. Not whether or not somebody loves me or not. I determine to love them. Hallelujah. No questions asked. Because the Spirit of Christ dwells within me. Listen. This is the stuff that makes Christians mature. It's not about how long you've been a Christian. It's not about how many courses you've done. It's not about how many sermons you've listened to. Or how many tapes you've got in your library. A mature Christian is all to do with how much of the character of Christ you've allowed to grow in you. And how well you know Jesus as your best friend. So that it's not about what the other person does. 
but it's about what I do. That I am the best friend that they could have next to Jesus. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. You would help us to take the opportunities that we have to be transformational in our thinking, in our speech, in what we do. Because we see the power of the words on the cross. The ultimate in prayer. Incredible, incredible act of forgiveness by Jesus. If we can grasp that, we can change the world. Father, help us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Just as an aside, if you're interested, look at what Jesus said on the cross. And it will help you a lot and how to pray. Praise the Lord. God bless you.